Friday, I see some guests. I see some people uh, that I hadn't seen in a while. I'm so thankful that you're here. My heart is filled with joy to see you. And brethren, I love y'all so very much. And every time I see you, I just realize how much I love y'all as well. I'm so thankful to be able to speak with you this morning, proclaiming God's word. Isn't God's word awesome? Isn't it something that is an encouragement to all of us if we really, really take the time to read it, consider it, and then apply it to our lives? It's something that really can be a blessing uh, for us in our lives to be like Christ is an awesome thing, isn't it? Uh, The title of this morning's lesson, we're continuing a very slow walk in Philippians. I apologize, not really, but I'm going to say it anyway. Philippians chapter 3. I know y'all been waiting for me to do a joke, but I just can't get it together, y'all. I've been trying to come with a joke, and I just can't do it. I just can't do it yet. I'm working on it. I'll have one for you sooner or later, but... Uh, And I think that you'll laugh when I do it. It may be a bless your heart laugh, but it will be a laugh nonetheless. So uh, I'm not going to do it until I feel really good about it. But that really don't matter anyway, right? I didn't come up here to do jokes. I came up here to proclaim the thing that matters the most. And that is the word of God. Philippians chapter three, verses eight and nine. The Bible says this. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. Last week, we talked about how Paul said All things that he had accomplished in the flesh were as rubbish. They were worth nothing when it was compared to the knowledge of Christ. Everything he had in the flesh being from the original stock of Israel, he said, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee having a zeal to perform the law, Paul spent his whole life trying to gain righteousness before God. That's why he was a Pharisee. He was one of the elite. Some scholars say that that small group was about 6,000 men. And they thought that they could gain salvation through perfect obedience to the law. What a burden, yeah? What a hard way to go. What a guilt trip every single day to carry around the burden of impossibility. What a hard road to travel. But Paul, when he realized that Jesus Christ was something different, when he realized who he was and what he wanted for his followers, he was ready to give everything he had gained in the physical to know Christ to be found in Him. Paul's reason for living had changed. Jesus was the reason now. The question for us this morning is this, how important is Jesus to us? 
Is He worth changing the way that we live to follow Him? Paul in verse 9 continues this thought of the knowledge of Christ. And he talks about understanding the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus. The thought for us to consider this morning is this. The righteousness from God only comes in Christ. What's faith? Believing? Yeah. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's complete trust. It's an absolute surrender. You know what it is? It's the yes of the soul. Real faith, biblical faith, is not based on what I can do for the Lord. No, real biblical faith is what He can do for me. Amen? (laughs) See, I love that thought. See, I can't do anything for the Lord to be righteous, to be considered equal and have a right relationship with Him. But He can do something for me that can make me be righteous in His eyes. Oh, I want that. How about you? I want to know more about that because I want to follow that way. So then whatever He tells me to do, whatever He asks of me, because I believe who He is and I believe what He says, I'll obey. Because I have this complete trust. I have this complete belief that He is who He says He is and that His promises are never failing. See, Paul, and this amazes me, but it really doesn't. It amazes me, but it really doesn't because we all can do this too. Paul was willing to put all of his life in Christ's hands. He was willing to give his whole life to Christ because he knew where salvation was. He knew it was in Jesus. So his faith, his complete trust in Jesus gave him strength because of the righteousness that was in him. We may be very sincere about wanting to be right with God and going to heaven. We may be sincere about that. But sincerity alone is not going to get us there. Amen? We can be sincere, but in reality, we can be sincerely wrong. The Bible says that there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said it like this, I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. What a bold statement. Doing it on our own, proving how right we are to God, it will not save us. Faith in ourselves to the point of proving how righteous we are, it ain't going to work. Isaiah 64, powerful verse. Verse 6 says this, But we are all like an unclean thing. And all of our righteousnesses are like filthy, dirty rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Consider that verse. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags, and 
We are like a leaf that fades and our iniquities, they're like the wind and they blow us away. We can try to prove how good we are, but it's not good enough because we all sin, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and sin, as the very verse says, takes us away like the wind. See, we need help, don't we? See, we need guidance, don't we? See, we need someone to show us the way, don't we? See, I need someone to be a savior for me. Someone to stop the wind. I know the ladies' Bible study knows somebody who can stop the wind, don't you? You remember in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus gets into the boat and he falls asleep and the storm starts happening and the disciples get scared and they awaken Jesus and he, he rose and what did he do? He rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And guess what happened? The wind stopped and there was a great calm. That's what the apostle Paul is saying. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get us as brethren to understand. I realize my heritage. I realize my rituals. I realize my works and my zeal doesn't make me right with God. And they won't make us right either. We can only become right with God when we are, and here it is, it's a simple truth. Matt, I've heard it a million times. I hope you can hear it a million and one the only way to heaven is in Christ. That's it. That's what we need to preach. That's what we need to teach. That's what we need to tell people. Without being in Christ, there is no hope. That's why verse 9 is so powerful. Paul gave up trying to be righteous on his own. And instead he put his trust in the righteousness that God gives in Jesus. See, the righteousness which is from God by our faith. But see, Matt, I need to get a few things straight, man. I'm going to get a few things in order and then I'll be able to follow Christ really like I need to. I need to get some of these distractions out of the way and then I'll be able to do it the way that I need to. But the reality is that that day, it'll never come. It'll never come. In the first chapters of Rome, of the book, Rome, of, the book of Romans, Paul spends some time demonstrating what we've been talking about a little bit, how we cannot justify ourselves to God by our own righteousness. And he concludes this thought in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, by saying, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. He says uh, in verse 21, he says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And then verse 22, he says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. See, there is no difference. Anybody can receive this gift. 
Paul says to be saved, we have to... And think about this, and I hope that you can understand this illustration. We have to give up trying to dress ourselves. Everybody understands what it means to dress yourselves. You did it this morning, right? Even Libby put on her clothes today, so we all can understand what it means to dress ourselves. But see, Paul says you need to stop trying to dress yourselves in your own righteousness. You want to know why? It won't work. Because here's what happens. You keep on putting on dirty clothes. I played football. I played basketball. And I'm going to tell you what. Some of the most terrible smells that I've ever smelled comes out of a locker room. I mean, the guy that sat next to me in the locker room at my football, where my pads and all my stuff was at, his pants hadn't been washed all year, and they stood up by themselves. I had all of mine folded and nicely smelling like Dawn, and everything was good with mine, and I looked over at this ammonia mildew pair of pants that stood up, And you know what he would do? He'd put them things on. And not to mention he'd put that sweaty uh, jersey on and wear it out with those shoes that have been wet out in the rain and set and just a hot mess. Have you ever dug back into your laundry and it's been there for a while and you go down to the bottom and you pull that shirt out and put it back on? Think about it. I know one time I washed some clothes. None of you have probably ever done this. This was before Erin's time. She saved me from this. But one time I washed my clothes, forgot about it, left them in the washer. I was so tired when I came home. I thought I had just washed them, put them in the dryer, folded them, and I put them on. And they didn't really smell bad until I started getting hot and they started getting wet. And then all of a sudden I had this mildew smell on me. I thought, what in the world is that? It's your shirt, dude. It's your pants. Paul says that we have to quit trying to dress ourselves with our own righteousness. Why is that? Because it won't work. But here's the key. But when we believe that God gives righteousness to those who are in Christ, it should change the way we think. It should change the way we live. The thought that should go through our heads is this. You mean to tell me that there is a way that all my mess can be gone? And I can be found right in front of the almighty God? Yeah. Shouldn't our thought be, sign me up? (laughs) Sign me up for that. Because I want to serve the one who can make that happen. No wonder Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, a verse that I quote so many times because it's so powerful. He says, we beg you. We beg you, friend, on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. How does that happen, though? How can we be reconciled to him? Verse 
21 tells us He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now, if you don't, haven't heard anything else on the lesson except some dirty pants stories, hear this one. Jesus took all our sins, all our unclean righteousness upon Himself on the cross. And in a great exchange, here's what He did. He gives us perfect righteousness to anyone who wants it. When we obey the gospel, we're put in the body of Christ. We are in Him. Jesus gives us the righteousness it takes to get to heaven. He gives us the righteous garments that it takes to make heaven our home. Think about this. It wasn't this corruptible thing like silver or gold, something that we would probably think would work. Maybe I could pay my way to heaven. Maybe I could show them all the money that I got and this will work. But no, you cannot from your aimless way of living, the way that you've been taught your whole life on sinning and thinking about self, you cannot redeem yourself with anything except a precious amount of blood. And that precious blood is Jesus' blood. It's a lamb without blemish. It's a lamb without spot. Does that have an effect on us Christians? Do, do we want to serve Him? Do we want to do the things that He asks us to do because of what He did for us? Oh, I know it, Matt. I've heard it. I know this, Matt. I, I know. Talk about something deep. Give me something deeper. Here's something real deep. Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned one time. Even though he was tempted in every way like we were, he did it without sin. And you know why he did it? Because of you. He did it because of me. Oh, dirty, nasty me. He was willing to be silent when he was abused. He was willing to keep his mouth shut when persecution came his way because he wanted to make sure that we could be the righteousness of God. Friend, does that have an effect on you to want to obey and become his child? Jesus gives us the righteousness he gives us these righteous garments that it takes to make heaven our home. See, He paid the price so that we could be saved and sin and all the mess in our life can be gone. See, this is a great illustration. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 22. Great illustration in the first century. The Jewish wedding customs. When someone had a wedding ceremony, the, the father of the groom was in charge of the event and, and bore all the expenses that were associated with it. And this often included the father providing a specially made garment to be worn over uh, a guest's regular clothing. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, but we'll look really at 11 through 14. But this wedding garment was presented to the guests when they arrived and it was to be put on immediately. 
And it was really considered a great insult to the father of the groom if somebody refused to wear that garment. And really, you could be asked to leave the party if you didn't have it on. In case of these large gatherings, a large party, it also served as like an identification that you were invited. It was the RSVP of the day. Jesus told this parable and he starts in verse 1. In verse 2, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. He sends out servants, and I'm not going to read all of it. He sends out servants and asks people to come, and they don't want to come. So he sends more out, and they said they were too busy. And and, and actually, in verse 6, it says, And the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard it, he was furious, sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Pretty powerful thought. But then in verse 8, he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So go to the highways and get as many people as you can get. So they brought in whoever they found, both good and bad. In verse 11, it says, but when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind, his, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen. Two things to consider. Two thoughts on this story. And I'm not going to back up. I just want to stick in verses 11 through 14. First, just as the king in the story had provided wedding clothes for all who were invited. God has provided us the righteousness we need to get into heaven through his son. Amen? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27, the Bible says this, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 says, But as many as received him, to him he gave the right to become children of God. To those who, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong verse. Colossians 3 10, sorry. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Think about those three verses. Put on Christ. Put on the new man. Put on the new man. When I become a child of God, when I am baptized for the remission of my sins and I come out of the water, I am added to his body. His righteousness takes away my sin and we become right in God's eyes even though we don't deserve it. I've heard it. I've thought it. I think it a lot. Even though we don't deserve it, here's the beauty of what God did. We can receive it. Now, John chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. But as many as received him, to to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The second thing, and I'm about done. The father had garments made for the guests. But there was one who didn't have it on. And because of that, he was cast out of the party. Just like the man in the story, if we don't have on the wedding clothes, the righteousness of Jesus, here is the reality. Here is what makes me sad. Here is what drives me. Here is what pushes me as a child of God. Heaven will not be people's home. What a powerful thought. Am I wearing the right clothes? My righteousness is not sufficient. Remember what Romans chapter 3 verse 22 said? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. There is no difference. The righteousness of God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. God the Father gives us perfect clothing that will get us into heaven. And that comes through faith, through our understanding of who God is and our obedience to what he asks us to do. That's real faith. I believe him so much that I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. <laughs> what do I do? If I believe him, then I'm going to do what he asked me. Amen? What is faith? The confident, continuous confession of total dependence on and trust in Jesus Christ because I know that he did his part and I'm going to do my part. See, this is it. The question for today, friend, Christian, how much do I trust in Jesus to do what I can't do? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Which then makes 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 powerful. Christians, it should move us. Friend, it should move you. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. In him. Don't let Satan fool you. Jesus paid the price and wants to give you a gift that changes everything. And if you're here today and you need that, please don't hesitate to accept the gift. It's a gift. You know, I worry about my life sometimes. I don't know about you, but if I take what I'm doing serious or not. Just talked to the young adults class downstairs and we talked about 
Jesus feeding the 5,000. What a story, right? We all know it very well. But these men, these disciples, these followers, they were so distracted. They were so focused on their self that they missed the biggest picture. Jesus said, hey man, I know y'all been casting demons out. I know y'all been working real hard for the kingdom. And you know what? We need to go to this deserted place where you can find some rest and you guys can relax a little bit. But then Jesus saw this multitude coming. Running to him. And the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on them. Brethren, are we so blinded by ourselves? Are we so blinded by the stuff that we're doing that we miss the biggest picture? Somebody right now is sick in the hospital and is going to die without hope. Somebody will die outside of this body where all the blessings are. Is it enough within us to go tell somebody? I want to close with this. First Timothy chapter two, chapter one, verse twelve. I want you to read what Paul said. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. You know, everybody who's obeyed the gospel is counted faithful. Paul says, by putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Brethren, let this be your thought. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. We have a gift that we can give somebody that will change their life forever. I talked to somebody this week who's never heard of Jesus. Man, I talk to people all the time and they don't hear it. I appreciate what Micah told me downstairs. This brother talking to people about spiritual things. You want to know what's happening? The door is opening. Will you pray for him? Will you pray for that opportunity? Every single one of us, if we had one person that we focused on, one person that we prayed for, I'm going to say one more thing. I know I'm taking up too much time, but I got to tell this. This is something that is glorious to me. The last time I woke up to my alarm was a long time ago. Why? Because I've got too much stuff 
on my mind. Worried, thinking, praying, considering, planning. I heard this show. This guy was praying. And he said, it was at the end of the night and he was about to go to sleep. And he said, Lord, thank you for the day and thank you for all these things. He said something very interesting. He said, Lord, help my eyes to close and be shut and allow me to sleep. So I prayed that. I prayed it. I've been praying it for a while and and, and it, it hadn't it hadn't happened. Until last night when I went to sleep, brethren, you want to know what woke me up? You want to know why I'm so fired up this morning? You want to know what woke me up this morning? My alarm. I couldn't believe it. It scared me. But here's what I know. I prayed that this would happen and I said, your will be done, Lord. And it didn't happen the next day, but you want to know what happened this morning? I woke up to my alarm. Praise God. Glory. Hallelujah. Our God is a God who hears us. Our God is a God who loves us. Our God is a God who cares about the minor details of your life. Don't ever forget it. Is it not enough to go tell somebody about the hope we have within us? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Friend, I'm so glad you're here. Visitors, I'm so thankful that you've come. Please come again. Be a part of what we have going on here. Good stuff happening at Fountainhead. If you need prayers, we can pray with you. But if you need to obey the gospel, please do not wait and miss the opportunity. Today is the day. Right now is the time as we stand and as we sing.